Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Michael Boninger. Dr. Boninger is endowed chair and professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at the University of Pittsburgh. He is also senior associate medical director of the Human Engineering Research Lab and he's director of the UPMC Rehabilitation Institute. Dr. Boninger, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you. It's good to be on the show and I should also add that I'm a member of the McGowan Institute as a faculty member. We appreciate your participation, collaboration with the other colleagues in the McGowan Institute. So Dr. Boninger, there was an article in the December issue of The Scientist, and it talks about the combination of physical therapy and exercise, which you and your colleagues have determined to be very essential in terms of cell-based therapies. Can you elaborate a little bit on your studies and your findings, please? The stem cells, or the process of creating uh, new tissue, requires that cells that have an ability to differentiate into any one of a number of different cell types get the right signaling to actually go down the right pathway for differentiation. So if you think about kind of the example where we've done the most work, a cell that is a muscle-derived stem cell can actually become an actual muscle fiber or it can become tendon or a fibrous structure. Part of what determines what a stem cell differentiates into is the environment that the stem cell lives in. And that one of the things that we found is a critical factor for that differentiation and in that environment is activity, is movement or mechanobiology. So if the stem cell, at least in One of the studies that we've done, or several of the studies we've done, have looked at muscle-derived stem cells, and a muscle-derived stem cell can differentiate into both muscle fibers and fibroblasts that put down fibrous tissue. And if you're trying to repair muscle function, you want muscle fibers to be part of that. And our work has shown that exercise and activity leads to signaling that causes a muscle-derived stem cell convert into a muscle fiber and a functional muscle fiber more often than not. We've also been able to take that one step further in a non-cellular approach to regenerative medicine, which is if you look at bioscaffolding and implant a bioscaffolding whose goal is to track stem cells that will then differentiate into the target tissue, once again we found in the muscle area that exercise is critical to that process being successful. So in human participants in our research, we will implant a scaffold together with our partners at Pitt and UPMC, and then where rehab gets involved is immediately post-operatively, we start an exercise routine. And we believe that that's been a significant reason why we've had successes in our studies. And so just for clarity on my part and for our listeners, at least in some of these cases, you're not injecting stem cells per se, you're injecting a bioscaffold that recruits the stem cells from within the body. Is that correct? That's right. I would probably say we're surgically implanting the bioscaffold, and so it's not just an injection, it's a surgical implantation. You know, it's led us to kind of define a field, and Fabrizio Ambrosio, who's also a member of the McGowan Institute, 
student of my department, has done more to advance the term of regenerative rehabilitation than anybody I know. And a critical part to the definition of regenerative rehabilitation is the regenerative component. We're agnostic. We're happy uh, with any technique that regenerates lost or damaged muscle tissue. That can be a cellular approach, a bioscaffold approach, or, or some other technique. So at this point, is there a preferred approach, or are all these uh, equal competitors to solve the problem? The way I like to think of it is equal collaborators as opposed to competitors. I think that there are many issues to solve or many techniques to improve our approaches in regenerative medicine. In fact, the scaffold is important. The cell type is important at times. And the highlight of this work then, or what differentiates us a little bit, is the fact that we also acknowledge that the exercise is important. We've known for a while that when a healthy person exercises, that that actually makes their own internal muscle stem cells act younger and differentiate better. And we've proven this in mouse models as well. And so it really is bringing that exercise component and probably several different regenerative components together that in the end is likely to lead to big clinical changes. So I see in the article in The Scientist that you and your colleagues are also using electrical stimulation in some cases in addition to the mechanical stimulation. Electrical stimulation has been a part of physical therapy for years. So there are times when rather than having someone get out of bed and walk on a treadmill that you want the muscle to contract but without necessarily the joint movement or not necessarily in a weighted position. And so in some of our studies, we've actually used that electrical stimulation as another way to actually provide exercise. And the electrical stimulation parameters we're using are actually similar to what you would use in a clinical population. And so the electrical stimulation causes the muscle to contract. The person is exercising. They may be doing that while laying in bed. And so it gives us some opportunity to control the amount of exercise more provided in a controlled fashion. And once again, I think that in a future therapeutic world, it might be that someone comes in, has uh, stem cells and scaffold implanted, and then before they're able to walk, there's electrical stimulation going on so that there's muscle contractions in the area that then cause stem cells to differentiate as we want them to into functional tissue. So this is certainly a team effort. And I noticed that you and your colleagues are actually working hard to get other folks involved in this particular endeavor. You have organized a symposium for a number of years. It seems to be the main focus of bringing people in the profession together. Is that correct? It is. I think it's probably five, six years ago now that we had our first regenerative rehabilitation symposium. And at the time, that was really a collaborative effort between the School of Health and Rehabilitation Sciences, which is where the physical therapy department lies, the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, and the McGowan Institute. And we put on an activity, and that led to, I think, about 100 people coming to Pittsburgh. We then broadened it and found a wonderful collaborator at Stanford and in the VA named Tom Rando. And he joined this activity and became one of the sponsors of the conference. And then that actually has led us to get an international consortium of partners who have all agreed to help sponsor the conference and the activities that promote this idea of regenerative rehabilitation. So now I don't remember exactly how many partners we have. It's somewhere around 10. And we also were awarded a large grant out of that work. 
So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the grant, because I think that's the definition of the exciting future. Sure. The NIH has been working on improving research capacity, specifically in the rehabilitation realm. They, they recognize that there are millions of Americans who have disabilities and need better solutions to be more functional and productive. And so one of the things they created is a national network of centers of excellence whose job it is to educate and raise the science in the field. And we applied to one of those grants. It was interesting because, uh, and we were funded. The grants are are over a million dollars a year. Most of that money goes to educational efforts, to pilot studies, to sabbaticals, and actually a lot of it is sent out away from the University of Pittsburgh, which is the home of the grant. What was interesting about our proposal is that we originally sent this in to the National Center for Medical and Rehabilitation Research, which is the organization that put out the call for proposals, and they were excited about it and actually were able to convince NINDS, the neurologic component of NIH, and NIBIB, which is the bioengineering component of NIH, to co-sponsor our proposal. And so we're funded by those three entities. That will further support the Regenerative Rehabilitation Conference that we have. We put out a call for proposals where we are sending pilot funds out to other institutions that are proposing work that is at this intersection of rehabilitation and regenerative medicine, and we'll be putting on additional courses. And so this five-year grant is a very exciting grant to be a part of, and we're part of a, a network of centers across the country that are trying to raise the bar in rehabilitation research. I should mention that our grant was a collaborative effort again. Tom Rando, who I mentioned earlier, and I are PIs on that grant. And we also have collaborators at UCSF in San Francisco and at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So it's truly a national initiative to move these technologies forward. It truly is. And we tried something new with this one where instead of letters of intent for the pilot projects, we did videos of intent and we got videos from across the country and, in fact, across the world of people who were working in this area. And, you know, I've given you a, what I would call a relatively limited example related to muscle-derived stem cells. But these same concepts can be used in the central nervous system where the exercise might actually be thinking or repetitive movement or the exercise might be facilitated by transcranial magnetic stimulation, which might be similar to electrical stimulation for muscles. These same techniques can be effective potentially in other conditions that affect the muscle and bone and tendon structures. And so it's kind of exciting to see all these proposals flood in. And we're going to have a tough work in front of us picking in which ones to fund. So it's certainly a very promising future for this particular field. I congratulate you and your colleagues for the progress that's been made to this point. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's really critical to note that there's been, in addition to Drs. Ambrosio and Rando, who have been spearheading much of these efforts together with me, we've had collaborators from all over the institution, and the McGowan Institute has really provided some great support for us to move this forward. So, Dr. Boninger, you made reference to the symposium that's been held for a number of years, and I believe it's continuing on in the coming years as well, where's the next symposium? We're excited that one of the members of the consortium is Emory University, and they've agreed to host the symposium. And so it eventually moved out of Pittsburgh. We're hoping to bring it back 
two years from now, but it will be in Atlanta this coming fall, and we have a great lineup. And so if you search under regenerative rehabilitation and the McGowan Institute or the University of Pittsburgh, the details of that conference will come up. And I should also say for our listeners who might be interested in the pilot funding and coursework, one of the courses I failed to mention is one of my favorite abbreviations, which is we're putting on a MOOC, which is, for those people who don't know, a massive open online course so you can for credit related to regenerative rehabilitation. And that's part of our NIH-funded National Center of Excellence. We named that Center of Excellence the Alliance for Regenerative and Rehabilitation Research and Training, or ART with a three after the ART. So it'd be AR3T. And if you were to search under that information about all of the activities that are available through that grant will come up, including the symposium details in Atlanta. Very good. Dr. Boninger, of course, the success is measured in terms of real-life outcomes. And I believe that you and your colleagues have done some work in collaboration with the Department of Defense where you treated a number of individuals who had muscle loss in the extremities due to trauma. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. Much of what I referenced earlier in terms of the value of exercise and specifically the work that we've done in human participants is from that study. That study is led by Stephen Badlack and Peter Rubin. Stephen is a member of the McGowan Institute, and Peter is the chair of plastic surgery here at the University of Pittsburgh. And in that study, we had you know over 10 participants that we did a surgical intervention where this scaffold was implanted in an area where there was a large muscle loss known as volumetric muscle loss. Again, post-operative day one, in this DOD study, we got people up and walking and exercising. And we did this study in kind of a controlled fashion where we made sure that the participants had really plateaued in their ability to benefit from physical therapy. Then we did the implant, and then we continued the physical therapy on. And we've had exciting results that have shown regeneration of muscle, both through electromyography, where we can actually stick a small pin into this new muscle and show that it's electrically active, and through functional gains. And so they're very exciting, and a lot of this is published. So if you search under any of the names of the authors that I've mentioned, you'll bring these papers up. Very good. And again, congratulations to you and your colleagues for the translation of these fundamental principles into practical clinical outcomes. Well, thank you very much. It's an exciting area to work in, and I really feel honored to have the colleagues I have, and I feel very lucky to be able to work in this field. So, Dr. Boninger, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and sharing these uh, pioneering results with our listeners. I'd like to remind our listeners that you can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinestoday.com. And until we meet again in another podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. Thank you, and have a good day.